When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, Saul said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king, that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this comes out of 1 Samuel 24. And as you, as you know, we've kind of been going through 1 Samuel because that's where I am in, in my Bible reading time. And, and here in 1 Samuel, we have the institution of the monarchy in the United Kingdom of Israel, where Samuel uh, does what the people want because God tells him to go ahead and give them what they want, which we, we learned is a bad thing often because God often gives us what we want, which is not necessarily what we need or what he should give us. Instead, he gives us what we want. It's almost a form of punishment. But Samuel finds Saul, remember, and he's tall and he's pretty and he's, he's, he's just the type of, he's forceful. He seems to be a good leader. He's able to collect an army pretty well, all, all those things. And so he becomes king. He, he's the epitome of the type of king that Israel wanted. But then we discover that Saul is not a very good king when it comes to things of God, right? He decides that he's going to be priest. He decides that he is not going to trust God on the victories that God can give. Instead, he's going to trust himself. And so he, he's afraid of what might happen. So he, he uh, does the sacrifice without waiting for Samuel to come because his faith in God, his faith even in Samuel, was, was completely gone. And so then Samuel says, from this time forth, God is going to fan, has found a man after God's own heart. Uh, and, and so then we get to David, right? Where, where Samuel goes and finds David uh, and anoints him king. He was a shepherd boy who uh, his brothers were fighting for, for Saul's army. And God picks David. Whereas Samuel would have picked any of the other brothers because they were tall and strong and good-looking and all these other things, David was the youngest. He was the least of his brothers. And God chooses him and says, no, this is the one. You judge on things on the outside. I judge things on the inside, and I'm picking him. I gave them the king that they wanted. Now I'm going to give them the king that I want. This, this boy named David, who ends up getting brought into Saul's service. If you remember correctly, he, he kills Goliath. We know that whole story with the stones and the sling, and sling goes around and round, and, and Goliath falls, all those things. Yes, we, we know that whole thing. We've sung the songs. We, 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 we got the t-shirt. We're, we're, we're good to go on that. Well, Saul's fear grows over David because David is having all these victories and the people are singing about him and David's on the jumbotron and he's getting, the, he's getting all over Twitter and everything else where Saul is getting forgotten. And, and so Saul ends up trying to kill David in part because it says that God sent Saul a, a, a spirit of torment to cause him some, some, some torment, some pain. Uh, and it causes Saul to end up hating David because he knows deep down, deep down that God has chosen David 
over Saul. God has already anointed David as king while Saul is still king. And Saul reigns for 40 years. It's not like he had a short reign. And so then it ends up that David runs from Saul, gets away from Saul, and Saul pursues him up and down. Saul ends up killing all the priests of, of Nob, a, a village that, that David runs to where he gets Goliath's sword and he gets fed the, the showbread, the bread that's normally set out for the presence of God and all these other things. And somebody goes back and tells Saul what had happened. Saul shows up and they kill all the priests and then they kill all the people in the village too. Uh, it turns out that Saul is a very good warrior, but not a very good king and definitely not a king after God's own heart. And so then finally Saul pursues David to a cave. Maybe you remember the story, and it says that Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. And that's what it means. He's going in to take care of some things. And David creeps up behind him because he notices that it's Saul. And he cuts off a corner of Saul's rope. Saul, Saul's, you know, kingly garments. And then Saul doesn't even realize it, and he leaves. And then David comes out and basically says, look, why are you pursuing me? I've done nothing to you. Why are you listening to all these other people telling you things about me that are not true? And he calls and he shows Saul this corner of, of the robe that he cut off, basically saying, I could have killed you. God put you in my hands, and I did not do it. And then we have our passage here. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. Why? Because deep down also Saul loved David. David was his son-in-law. <laughs> and, and he knew that there was something that was going wrong in him, that his sin had overtaken him that even in some ways the devil had overtaken him, and he weeps aloud, knowing that he is not doing the right thing. And then he cries out, You are more righteous than I. You've treated me well, but I've treated you badly. You've just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. And I read this text, and you can tell that, that, that he's realizing that David is a righteous man, that he is a man after God's own heart, that he's doing what it is that God has been doing to Saul, that Saul was given this vast kingdom. He was given a God to trust in. He was given all these things, and he turned to other things. He turned his heart away. And then we have David doing something that many of us maybe would not do our enemy who was trying to kill us came into a cave that we were hiding in, we'd probably kill him. Uh, many of us would, I bet, because it might save a lot of lives, might save a lot of time. But I read this text as I got reading, got done reading it this morning, and all I could think of was Christ. Because Christ is the son of David. That's one of his titles. He's, he's in the lineage of David. He's the true king of the Jews, the, the true anointed one, the true Messiah. And what do we see here? As Saul cries out to David, all that David has done, David could have killed Saul and he didn't. And then you have 
Saul's voice crying out to David, and all I can see is the sinner in me, the sinner in you, crying out to Christ. You are more righteous than I. Isn't that the truth? You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. How often is that the case? How often is it the case that we feel ourselves being in need of doing so much for God because we realize that we treat him like yesterday's news, like an accessory that we only pull out if we need to. And yet God gives to us, grants to us gifts every single day, including the grace and mercy that comes through Christ. And how often it is that we treat him badly, but then we need him. Uh, a few moments every now and then and we turn to him and then we get upset if he doesn't do exactly what we want as though he's some genie at our beck and call. It says, you have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. This beautiful picture of Christ, right? Where, where all things have been delivered into his hands, the scriptures tell us. That, that all things are his. That he is above all and in all and through all. All of that, that we belong to him, whether we want to belong to him or not, that God has delivered us into his hands and he could kill us, he could wipe us out, but he has not. Instead, he took the cross for you, died for you. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? Boy, does that not ring true of Christ in the opposite sense, right? where Christ comes and tells us to love our enemies. Why? Because we are enemies of God all the time, and yet God loves us. And he tells us that we have to be perfect in our love as God is perfect in his love, that we should be. How is God perfect in his love? He loves his enemies. And yet so often we're quick to push someone aside if they don't vote the right way, or if they don't speak the same language, or they don't dress appropriately, or they go to the wrong church. May the Lord will reward you well for the way you treated me today. Hasn't God done that for Christ? Seated him at the right hand of the Father, given all things into his hands, given him the crown of glory. And then I love this, I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Isn't that true? Isn't that what we are waiting for? For Christ to come, seated upon his throne as the king of glory for us. That yes, there will be judgment, but then there will be rejoicing and the marriage feast of the Lamb will take place to know that all the things that cause us worry, all the things that we know should be going one way and don't, will be established in his hands. And then he begs that his family and his descendants would not be wiped out. Isn't that our desire? That our children, that our young people would be handed over to God to be God's to, to, to be his possession just as we are his possession, and that they would not be wiped out or, or brought to nothing, but instead flourish in the hands of the Almighty as, as children of his kingdom. That is our prayer, right? There we have Saul confronting David, and in the same way it's us confronting Christ, giving thanks over the fact that he caught us in the cave relieving ourselves as the sinners we are. And he could have destroyed us, but instead he said, no, I'll take the cross to grant life and salvation to all my people. That includes you and me. Let us pray. Grant we beseech thee, merciful Lord, to thy faithful people pardon and peace. 
they may be cleansed from all their sins and serve thee with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And may you have a quiet mind as you continue through this week. Uh, go in peace, serve the Lord. We'll see you tomorrow with our psalm.